Ricky! There it is. There we go. Good, man. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. (laughs) I already forgot if I was supposed to talk first or not after the Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. So I'm glad that you said something. Yeah, I try to uh, I try to just leave a cue at least. You know what I mean? Like if I if I just say a real quick thing, hey man, how are you? Then at least you know that now it's my time to jump in. He did his bit. There, there we go. How you been, man? It's been a full week. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, I don't have to tell you how it is when things are pretty much the same throughout the week at home. You're uh, you're in the midst of it right now, um, but it, it's good, man. Back into the swing of it, it's January, you know, so you, the holidays are over. I'm starting to just try to find my footing, man, working. Yeah. It, it, the worst part is, man, there's NFL on right now, and it's, and it's good, entertaining NFL, and the Panthers are nowhere to be found. So it's like, so like I've been, oh, yeah, I mean, some of it's good, man. Not all of it was great. But, like, the matches this weekend are terrific. Um, so, like, I'm really excited about football, but there's not a lot to be excited about. Like, hey, let's get on here and let's talk about coaches for the – fourth time in the last three weeks you know (laughs) honestly i think this is probably the worst divisional weekend i've ever seen there's two two games that are nine plus favorites nine plus point favorites yeah two of the four are nine plus point favorites that's i don't think i've ever seen that in my entire the only game that what was what was the spread though on the cowboys packers last week cowboys uh cowboys were like nine point favorites right so that's yeah. what I'm saying, man. Like those spreads, those spreads are uh, a little bit misleading for me because you got the Packers are rolling in with a bunch of momentum, man, and they're playing. Yeah. Which in San Francisco, it's great that they got to rest because they had some guys that were dinged up. But sometimes, man, you see these teams that get a whole lot of rest, and it doesn't necessarily benefit them. And yeah. you got Green Bay that is just rolling right now, man. I mean, they went into yeah. Dallas and and mollywop those Cowboys, man, in Dallas, where Dallas has been a pretty good team at home. Like I, you can say whatever you want to about them choking and failing, but they're a pretty solid home team, man. If you watch the game, they choked. <laughs> like, they, like they Dak, did. Dak, yeah, Dak Prescott. I, I've, I've been a big, huge Dak defender, but mm-hmm. man, that dude looked like that was a, a real game, man. Lights, man. Yeah. He did not look comfortable at yep. all. He got rattled early, and he did not recover. Um, yep. Until the game was out of hand, and then he put up a bunch of yards and blah blah blah. Yeah, blah. he batted the stat book, and that's and that's yeah. great, you know, good for him. But everybody saw what it was at the beginning yeah. of the game. I mean, him and CD Lamb had had such a terrific rapport all year, and in that game, dude, it looked like this was their first time playing together. You know, yeah. it looked like you just put this all-star receiver with this quarterback, and he's out there trying his best, but the quarterback just doesn't know where he's going to be. Yeah. yeah, it was interesting to see how how much uh, of a timing and, and connection issue that that Dallas offense had. Yeah, and I can't believe they retain. Uh, I, I can't believe you can put that product on the field and sell to fans that you're still a, a Super Bowl caliber coaching staff. And, Jerry Jones and is pretty notorious for letting his guys play out the contract, right? And 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 so now McCarthy, I think, has one more year. I think Dak has one more year. So his hands might have been a little bit tied there about what can I really do here as far as like the financial ramifications of all of this. Who am I going to get in here to coach? Now, the one thing that I will say is that this coaching cycle, man, which we're about to dive into, I think it's a really good coaching pool. Like a lot of really quality coaches are available this year that I I anticipated him making a move off of Mike McCarthy just because of the fact that, hey, look, you could keep winning 12 games in the regular season. And I, as a Panthers fan, will take that. Every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. I want to win, man. We won two games this year. If you tell me I can win 12 and get booted out of the wild card for three years in a row, sign me up, man. Like, sign me up right away. 
and see, look, even StreamYard gave me a thumbs up on that. Um, <laughs> really? Oh yeah, look, you give a little thumbs up, it'll jump, it'll give you a little bubble. Oh, whoa, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I'm I'm happy that I'm I'm, I'm happy that they're not jumping into the pool of of head coaches though, because I I think that that Dallas job is one that is an attractive one. You know, like even with yeah. that Dak being a question mark, if you will. They still have this owner that is willing to give you a ton of patience and resources, and they've got great personnel in the front office. I mean, there that's an attractive job. So I'm glad that McCarthy's staying there. Leave leave yeah. one more coach in the pool for us. You know what uh, my conspiracy theory is, is that Jerry Jones has told Dan Quinn, as soon as they move on from McCarthy, he has the job like at hand, kind of like with the Ger- Gerard Mayo situation over yeah. in, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, in uh, uh, New England. And he saw that defense. He saw that defense come on the field. He was like, "I mean, I either got McCarthy or Dan Quinn, and I, I I'm gonna go stick with McCarthy Mike." Yeah. Right yep. Hopefully, Dan Quinn goes somewhere else. I doubt it. I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, like, he's yeah. I'm sure Jerry's on the phone with with the Seattle Seahawks owner right now, and he's like, "Dude, Dan is great. You guys can't take him. Please don't take him." <laughs> yeah. But if you do, I'll, I'll send a first class to you. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I, I mean. I think that he he was like, either I gotta go with Dan Quinn. Yeah, McCarthy. So lesser of two evils. How about the Texans, man? Like uh, the Texans look pretty dang good against the NFL's number one defense, and yeah, I think a lot of reason for that, man. It's got to be traced back to that Bobby Slowick character out there, man. That offensive coordinator at Houston. Yeah, he's got a good feel on it, doesn't he? Yeah, look at look at you, kind of just like kind of going right into the we're talking points. Kind of uh, organic, huh? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So let's talk about uh, <laughs> uh, Wild Card Weekend. Almost every coach uh, that we're interviewing was in Wild Card Weekend, except for I believe just Callahan and Evero. Um, so let's uh, talk about uh, Slowick, dude. How are these dudes so wide open? Yeah. And dude, I, I saw I saw Arlovsky or somebody on ESPN because I have to watch ESPN now because I have to sit at home with a baby all day. Um, I don't mean to shit on ESPN or anything like that, uh, but I, I just I, I didn't I didn't mean to shit on like that. I mean I mean that I have to sit at home all day. Yeah. Um, so I watched. Uh, somebody you weren't on shitting on ESPN. You were shitting on fatherhood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, so I had to sit at home and I watched ESPN. I can't remember who was doing the their. Um, uh, I, I, it might have been NFL, NFL Live or something like that. And they were showing why um, uh, Stroud looks so good. And yeah. Stroud was going through his progressions and he ends up hitting um, uh, somebody deep for something. And they're like, well, he didn't take the first read or the second read. Um, and he, he had that patience and he had his third read. It's like, the first read and second read were wide open too. Like, how oh, are yeah. all these guys so yeah. wide open? <laughs> um, yeah. What are your thoughts on Slowick and then the, and the Browns game? I mean, what you're talking about is a great example, though, of why Bobby Slowick is as coveted as he is right now. Um, it's it's the way that his scheme can help with the protections, but also the concepts that they're running for their receivers and for the tight ends are just wildly successful. And and it's it's the spacing element, it's the the deception, it's the changing where your eyes are looking. It's I mean, there's there's so many things that when we watched our Panthers offense this year, right? We talked to each other every single week on this show, and we would say, "Where is the pre-snap motions? Like, what wh- what do you do to keep a defense off kilter? Like, what were we doing that would make a defense second guess what they were already throwing out there? Right? 
And that's what Bobby Slowick does. Bobby Slowick puts an emphasis on the protections while still deploying concepts that put stress on the defense. So it, it's it's very similar in a way to what Ben Johnson does from a philosophical standpoint of they want to run the ball and a lot of their stuff is built off of the dynamic that they are going to run the ball, right? They operate from under center very heavily. They deploy a lot of motions and shifts, but they keep extra protection in. They they sometimes, man, you'll see, and there's a, it, I don't want to say a majority because I don't have the actual numbers in front of me that show how many routes are being run on each offensive snap. But what it seems like to me is that the majority of their snaps, they have two, maybe three people out there running routes. Everybody else is in protecting. And they manufacture pockets in that offensive scheme. And they do so with that motion and the shifts pre-snap by tilting the line, making it look like they have a, a power formation or a power play going one way on one side. Then they'll bring somebody in motion. They'll shift that. They'll roll out play action, bootleg the quarterback, and create this pocket. And and it's going away from where the defense would think that they were going. So the defense all slants down one direction. Before you know it, the quarterback is three yards to the left at a different side, right? So Mm -hmm. he has added time. And where this works really well for Bryce Young from a projection standpoint is he's got that added time. But also when you manufacture that pocket and you create a different pocket besides just standing still, it doesn't matter if you're in shotgun or under center. You're just standing still. You've got a muddy view. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you've got your, your five offensive linemen in front of you. You've got the defenders in front of you. That's a bare minimum of eight to 10 guys in front of you in any given play when you're just standing right there in the middle of that play. If you can move, and this is what we cried for all year with this Panthers offense, move the pocket, roll them out, get them out in space. Yeah, There's not as many people. You watch when CJ Stroud is able to make a lot of these deep throws. There's one or two people within a five, six yard vicinity of him. And that's including his offensive linemen. That's including his running backs and defenders. He is in a secluded space that they have created for him that's what we need especially for a guy like Bryce that if you want to talk about his physical stature and is he able to um make these sight windows in between these large individuals in front of him that's just remove them right like Mm. limit and reduce the number of people that are in his way to be able to see and make the reads and if you keep extra people in that buys them extra time and if you got the defense crashing down on a run because you've got everybody in line and you don't have five wide receivers out and you're going empty from shotgun and they're planning for it to be a run, they got to play a little bit closer to that line. And that's mm-hmm. what opens up on those play actions for those deep shots. Yeah. And yes, you still have to have a quarterback, though, that can execute all of those things, right? So I don't want to sit here and say that what Bobby Slowick is able to do is the reason that CJ Stroud is good. I don't believe that. I believe that CJ Stroud is very good on his own. I think that he is in an absolutely perfect system to take advantage of his natural physical talents, ability to play the quarterback position, but to not put all of the emphasis on a rookie quarterback, regardless of how good and smart they are, to have to take on all of that responsibility. He doesn't make CJ do all that. He takes that responsibility on himself and he puts him in a position to succeed. And I just think that that's a stroke of genius, man. And I would love to see that here in Carolina. Yeah. Even, I mean, even Stroud said it, Stroud was like, yeah, when I was in Brian Day's offense, I was a lot more complicated. It's like, that's right. Slowic, and that's what we were talking about last week is a slowic 
some like they, his way that he simplifies everything for the quarterback so that we don't get anything these like headache things where the protection and the um, yeah. scheme and all that kind of stuff is too complicated. And I think that happened a lot this year. Uh, yeah. That especially with guys like Icky, and that's why the penalties start happening is because you're overthinking too much and your in your protection, your your balance is off because everything is so complicated and you're trying to think about all things at one time instead of just come on, man, just make it. Make it easy. Make it easy. Right. Um, that, I'm with you, man. Floic is does that. So, and if you think about, so I think that's uh, kind of a problem that McDaniel's has with uh, Tua in the system is Tua doesn't have those those legs. I guess if you want to say for like CJ because CJ, if you look at, think about all all three of the touchdown passes, right? That that CJ did. He's rolling right mm-hmm. in all of them. So you think the the Nico Collins one? He rolls right, throws back left. Nico Collins' blockers in front of him just for a touchdown. And yeah. uh, the the um, Schultz pass. Rolls yep. out right, throws back left, because everybody's kind of kind of uh, coming down on yep. him, and then uh, Schultz kind of just tricks the defense into thinking that he's just like slow and unathletic. Right. He just gets right, right by him, uh, and, he, and, he, and Schultz ran a really good route on that play too. Saying, like, like, he, he sold it really well. He sold he, it he so whipped well. that neck around, and, yeah. and also though the way that Slowick um, uses these tight condensed formations too, mm-hmm. everything is within the numbers. You know right. what I mean? So he's creating this extra space outside of the numbers that the defense has to account for. When Schultz ran straight out like that, and he looked like he was going to run that outpost, and, and and that defender bought it because there was so much grass over there. He was like, "Man, I've got to get over there and cover because mm-hmm. like that's a huge wide open area." The minute that he turned his hips, that's when Schultz whipped his neck around and he just beat him inside. Yeah, and, and that's that's the danger, and it's the genius of what Slowick does with those tight condensed formations. Yeah, is he creates space man like he's making an extra four to six yards for his guys to have yard after catch ability right like yeah. that's a huge oh my element God, yeah. of the shanahan offense that's that's what they are so good at man mm-hmm. sorry yeah. i didn't mean to cut you off but that schultz route was a great example of the way that just that threat of all of that open space was enough to open up other space on the right, other exactly. side like, exactly it's really so, smart man so the first two are roll right throw back left and the last yeah. one is roll out right Screen pass to Brevin, Bre- uh, uh, Brevin uh, Jordan makes Brevin a great Jordan, play. Yeah. Makes a great play, yards up for catch. Every single one of those touchdowns were him rolling out right, yeah. and, in, and and doing it from that specific yep. area. I, I think so. Yes, the Browns had a very very good defense. They also had a bunch of backups playing guys that weren't starters. That they were, they were very, very injured on defense. They still played well throughout the season, um, but. They weren't as disciplined as I think that the Ravens will come in and be. Um, but yeah. but the, the, you manipulate the defense a little bit. And, and I think he does that throughout the game. He kind of sees what works. Yeah. And I think that's what's, what's hard for um, uh, Daniels is because he does have to do everything in the pocket. Because Tua doesn't have the ability to roll out like um, Stroud, like Kirby does. Um, and it, I think you might kind of see some changes Um in Miami for that very, very reason, because I think that a quarterback that has a little bit more mobility will, will work well, well in Miami. And you, know, and you know, the other thing too, man, is the way that they do these rollouts on these play actions that CJ has benefited so much from. A lot of the conversation about Bryce ended up being about his footwork and about his drops and about his timing and, and urgency on, on, on the footwork aspect of that. You get him out there into these these rollouts and these bootlegs, it's a lot more natural, man, for him to play his style of game. His his footwork has always been a little bit unorthodox to begin with. Mm-hmm. But when you that's put him in rhythm, 
Yeah, yeah, and if you because it has to be because of his physical limitations, Correct. right? Because yeah. of his size, he's he's always played a little bit on his tiptoes. That's just yeah. part of the way that he's going to play, yeah. and it, and it doesn't hinder him when he's able to have the protection. Like he, it's okay yeah. for him to play a little bit tozy. Um, yeah. But when you get him outside though, and he's within rhythm and he's moving, that is going to help shore up some of those footwork issues that people are so bent out of shape about. He shouldn't have to worry so much about the shotgun drops and, and and all of that. And also the pacing on his drops. People talk about he takes too long to get back. I think that part of that, man, and I could be completely wrong about this, but I think that part of that is because there's no speed on the outside. He can't do this regular speed urgency of a drop and get back to the top of his drop while everybody is still yes. in the middle of their route. Wow. If okay. there was somebody that was actually running the ball or, or, or fast enough threat on the outside as a perimeter weapon, I think maybe that you would see Bryce be able to drop back with a little bit more urgency, but he's trying to calibrate in pace so that he is at the top of his drop at the same time that these guys are at the top of their routes. So what do you want him to do, man? I think that if you get him a little bit of help over there and you get him a system where he doesn't have to be back there like that, I think you're going to see that that footwork is a, is an over-exaggerated issue for Bryce Young, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, one thing that we would definitely have to address if we brought in Slowick is left tackle. Um, you could look at every Shanahan system. Mike McDaniels yeah. went out and got Armstead. Tunsil is in uh, the Texans. Right. Uh, Trent Williams, and they went Trent and got him for right. Because the, you, roll, you, can't, you can't have a guy roll out to the right and have the pass rusher come from behind and strip sack you. Right. Like, like it's right. such an important thing to have that left tackle. Mm-hmm. So we would have to seriously address that. Um, but I don't want to get into Hickey right now. Um, but that would probably be our, our number one goal above receiver, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Trent Brown is out there in free agency. That would be somebody that I would be interested in taking a look at. Um, but let's move on uh, to, because we did the Texans-Brown. Texans actually destroyed the Browns. Uh, what even close. Um, so let's go to uh, Chiefs Dolphins. We have um, uh, Frank Smith, who is a candidate. Is there anything that you saw from him that made you think going up, down, or stay the same in your thoughts of Frank Smith? I mean, yeah, the problem is with Frank Smith, we know that he's not the play caller. Mm-hmm. We've heard a lot about his um, involvement in constructing the offense and constructing the system and a lot of the concepts within that scheme. <clears throat> but my issue with Frank Smith, he seems to be really good at the interpersonal stuff, being able to connect with his players and being respected. That's his forte. I think that he's a very smart offensive guy. I don't think that he's this X's and O's guru, like a Bobby Slowick, like a Ben Johnson. I think what you run into is that if his team looked underprepared, right? Which that's what they look like. They went into that game knowing the weather situation that it was going to be knowing the opponent that they were playing and knowing that they were dealing with some injuries, right? They knew all of these things going into it. And they didn't seem to have much of a game plan to counter if things started going bad. So what I would say with Frank Smith, I'm not down on him from that game, but I was never overly high on him to begin with. He, Mm -hmm. So look, man, there's tiers in this coaching search, in my opinion. There is a tier one, there's tier two, and then there's everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. Tier one for me, it's about six guys. Tier one for me is going to be, for me personally, it's Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick, Mike McDonald, Mike Vrabel, um, Jim Harbaugh, and Bill Belichick. And I'm putting Bill Belichick on there because Bill Belichick has won 
a ton of NFL championships. He has coached for a very long time and had a lot of winning in his career, right? I understand that there's an asterisk that comes with Tom Brady with that. That's fine. The bigger asterisk for me, asterisk, asterisk for me, God, that was difficult, wasn't it? Um, the (laughs) The biggest little star shape thing for me with Bill Belichick is the final say in roster, right? Mm. I don't want him to have anything to do with that. I don't think that he's very good at that. And I I think that that's something that I would avoid. So he's not really a contender for me. And I don't think that he's even remotely interested in the Carolina job. He seems almost tied to it. It doesn't make sense. I would still have to include him in my top tier because I think if you don't do that, I think you're just being a little bit, Oh, it makes sense for uh, us. It doesn't make sense for uh, him yes, to come to him. Right, right, right. Um, but so these other guys, the Frank Smith, the Dan Quinn, uh, Evro, <laughs> these are tier two guys, man. I mean, they're consolation prizes. Is Quinn in tier two? He's like tier four, five, no, Yeah, I, I guess when I say tier two, I guess when I say tier two, I just mean that like they're consolation prizes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and consolation prizes aren't always bad, though. Yeah. I've, I've done some stuff where I didn't win like the main prize in a, in a contest or something like that, but I got the third place prize and it's still a prize that I didn't have. You know what I mean? It's mm. like when you walk away with a $50 gift card to Ruby Tuesdays, like I don't really want to go to Ruby Tuesdays and I don't really even know how you spend $50 at a Ruby Tuesdays, but guess what? I didn't have that gift card before I walked in. So I'm going to end up going to Ruby Tuesdays, man. Like yeah. I'm going to eat some sort of weird, like Cajun seafood pasta thing because I won this gift. <laughs> But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily what I set out to want to do that day. What Mm -hmm. we want to do is we want to win that top prize. We want Ben Johnson. We want Bobby Slowick. We want Mike McDonald, right? These are the Mm -hmm. guys that you feel like you hit a home run and you did exactly what you set out to do. Frank Smith does not fall in that tier for me. I think Mm -hmm. Frank is a really good guy. I think that he would be smart to stay in Miami another year and see if they can answer some of those questions that everyone is going to have about that offense and about Tua and about do they have an answer or are they strictly just a speed, fun, you know, they're like a Porsche 911. Like that's, that is what they do. They are built on speed, but if they end up having to drive on a muddy track, they're going to seize up. They're not built for that, right? Mm-hmm. You take away their speed and they're, they're not that dangerous of a team. I think that yeah. if he can answer some of those questions before he tries to make that leap to head coach, I think that he could have a better success. Yeah, my <clears throat> so this is the problem when you have a star team. Like you think about there's two ways to win. One, yeah, like a, a team that you build, like uh, the Ravens, for example. They don't have any like you can say OBJ is a star, but he's old. You know, like they don't have they're not a star team, but they got yeah, Lamar Jackson. That's it. Yeah. yeah, they got good players everywhere, so they can take on uh, injuries. They they're more uh, mentally tough, uh, but. It, so you can win that way. You can also win yeah. with the star team, like um, when the Rams won. Rams won with the star team. Mm-hmm. If you in the star teams, you kind of know you need your stars to win, and if you lose right. one, then they kind of know they're not going to win. You lose two, sure. you lose three. So when you see guys like Armstead go down, Howard yeah. go down, um, Bradley Chubb go down, right. I think that no matter how much of a no, we can do this, guys. You give them, they're like, can we? No, we can't. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, you're, they know. No matter how much of how how much you give them the yeah, you coach them up. They know they're gonna. They're sure. not, they so when, the Vrabels of the world. He's done that with like 
bad players, like like mm-hmm. guys that don't know any better. It's like, yeah, we can mm-hmm. really do that. And that he's gotten more out of them. When you have those star teams, they you yep. lose the star, you're you're done. If if you're yeah, uh, it's, like, it's a it's a noticeable it's a noticeable loss, right? And everybody yeah. in the locker room is well aware of that loss. Yeah. So watch out, like for Niners, for example. I feel like Niners have a very Granted, they have a ton of stars, which is mm. unbelievable that they were able, able to build this roster with that many stars. But right. look what happened when they played the Ravens and Trent Williams went down. Like, it, yep. McCaffrey couldn't go back in the game. That looked like a yep. much different team, a lot, de- a lot more defeated. Uh, there's a reason that uh, they haven't been to um, Super Bowls lately with that stud cast. Same thing happens to the Chargers. Chargers have a very star team. Dan Allen goes down, can't win. You get like Eckler went down, they couldn't win earlier. So that's the difference for me with star teams versus um, you know well built, full roster, right. good player teams. Um, right. Is that injuries can definitely take one way or the other. And I think that's why the Eagles went to the Super Bowl last year and why they look like not that team this year because injuries right, uh, right. played a, a big um, uh, thing with that. Uh, but going off that rant, let's go to uh, we talked about Frank Smith. Let's go to another game. <laughs> you want to talk about Cowboys and Packers uh, and our our coach candidate Dan Quinn? No, I don't because I, he's not he's not a realistic he's not a realistic candidate for me, man. Like I don't think that he should be anywhere near our head coaching vacancy. Like I, man, uh, no, 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 I don't want to talk about. It. You know, the only thing that I'll say about that game and about head coaching candidates is it made me want Bobby Slowick even more. Because of Matt LaFleur over there on the Green Bay sidelines. Like, from what he did to this uh, vaunted Dallas Cowboys defense and and terrific defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, the way that he threw egg on his face constantly throughout the entire game. Yeah, no, all that did was reinforce the fact that that Shanahan West Coast iteration system is is an absolute world beater, man. And you just need a coach that can hone in on that. So, so no, man, Dan Quinn, please stay with me. <laughs> man, I, I was like, you know, I kind of get upset when you watch um, other or coordinators had these guys. Because I feel like nobody watched the Panthers that aren't Panthers fans. You don't understand that when you watch every single snap of a Panther game and yeah. look how tight of these windows Bryce has to throw these balls into while getting the worst protection in the league. And then you just see Romeo Dobbs without anyone within 30 yards. Man. Like, I think, like, how does, how does that even happen? How does that yep. happen? How does somebody not even the 30? The field is, is 100 yards long. Yep. that wide open. Like, you're playing zone cover. Just seven guys back there. And... How, how how in the world does that happen? It makes you so Crazy. mad. It just makes yep. you so mad that that is a possibility, and we can't even come close to doing it. Yep. Um, oh, doesn't matter. Oh, let's not talk about this game. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, Texans and Packers piss me off because they're what we aren't, and, and just just so sad. Um, yep. But hopefully, we get that in our next coach. Uh, speaking of possibility for next coach, we have two candidates in uh, the next game. Um, yeah, Quinn is a bottom of our list. I feel like mm-hmm. we um, – I don't even know. I bet they didn't even interview Quinn. I bet they were like, hey, man, uh, let's just go, go through the motion so you don't look bad, so we don't look like bad because right. we wanted to interview right. you. So we're just going to say we interviewed right. you and, you know, you know let's have a beer. Let's all, let's all sit uh, down for a cup of coffee and a cheese yeah, and go yeah. our separate ways. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, because um, yeah, that was a – yeah, <laughs> I don't even know why they announced that we interviewed. Um, uh, so let's go to uh, Rams Lions. We have two candidates, um, and Raheem Morris and 
uh, um, Ben Johnson. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two candidates? I, I really like both of them, to be honest. Um, ben Johnson has been my number one candidate personally um, since last year. He was my number one candidate when the um, coaching search was going on last cycle. And him going back to Detroit and doing what he did this year, I think just reinforced how much I like Ben Johnson because he caught the league off guard a little bit last year, right? Mm. That was He was like the hot coordinator that came up. He, this guy was a, a quality control coach in 2019. You know what mm. I mean? And then yeah. he's an offensive coordinator in 2021 that he took, took over that job. Um, that's, that's the eyebrow raise. That's like when you... That's like the Frank Smith, right? Where you're like, right. oh, Mike McDaniel could have chosen anybody. They get Frank, Frank Smith, but right. So it's like kind of it's, it's sort of the same thing where quality control, offensive, co- what's going right. on? How you must Campbell be- Campbell had such a good history with Ben Johnson from their time in Miami that he knew that the culture that he was trying to build, right, the identity that he was trying to build for that team, he was building it from himself, from his image. And his mm-hmm. image is just a, a grit and tough as nail and and pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of th- type of deal, right? It's it's not about he's not afraid of losing, but he wants to take that losing and and, and learn from it and, and build from it. He doesn't just want to get losses over and over and over. That's not his thing. Um, Johnson was in Miami with him, and they both experienced tremendous loss in Miami. Man, like we got to remember before this Mike McDaniel offense in Miami, this was a terrible team you know what i mean mm-hmm. like putrid offense for years it just yeah. struggled that was it was really really looking like the basement of the nfl for a period of time there um so they Ugh. they experience that loss come into detroit and they get jared goff that they that johnson essentially tasked himself with re reinventing jared goff and, mm-hmm. and teaching him aspects of the game that maybe goff didn't have the confidence in from mcveigh because mcveigh did a lot of micromanaging for for Jared Goff during his time in LA. You know, there are the reports out there that Goff would have to hurry up to the line so that McVay could explain to him the defense that he's seeing and and where to attack Mm -hmm. from the defense. That's not the case in Detroit any longer, man. He is out there and they've got five or six different kinds of plays that they can run off of the same formation, the same concept that they're running. Um, they, They use all kinds of different hots that are built into their offense. Ben Johnson does a really similar thing. Um, as as Slowick in the Shanahan offense, where they're a very heavy motion um, offensive scheme, and they tend to run their Z receiver away from where the ball ends up. It's that, it's that deception, it's that changing where the defense is looking aspect of it. It's really smart and it creates and manufactures those pockets. Um, they implement a good amount of receiver screen sets and even some reverses and jet sweeps out of the backfield with Jamison Williams um, has been a, a new wrinkle that they've been able to add in. And that's just another thing to keep the defender's plate really full so that when they're trying to read a play, man, it's just another thing that they have to account for out of these same concepts and formations. Um, there's a there's a Ben Solik article on The Ringer, and I think it was like last August um, that he put this out, or maybe it was this August. I, I can't exactly remember. But there was a quote from it that I wanted to talk about because it's what we're, we're talking about right now, about him going back and then coming, you know, being a head coach candidate again in this cycle, is that, there was a time where like what he what he was doing was this hot thing, but then the defensive coordinators, they get to spend an entire offseason watching this offense and dissecting it and picking it apart, right? And figuring out what what does he do and what can our answer for it be, right? So 
it's it's let me find the quote and just give you that. In, let, in, let me give you an example uh, real fast while you were talking about that. Look what uh, Brian Dayball did uh, last year through mm-hmm. what he did this year. Look what uh, Kevin O'Connell did. And, and I, and I would just want to uh, touch on, I want to actually touch on that because I feel like that's very important because yeah. we, we jump to these conclusions and we do it with CJ Stroud. And I, don't, and I, and I push back on this a lot. I don't think CJ Stroud's a, like a bad quarterback or he's, a, I, I, I think that we, we need to pump the brakes like we've never seen anything like this before because rookie coaches come in and they run this offense that nobody has tape on and the system we don't have tape on. Um, but you give these guys one year to prepare for you. And then we start kind of seeing who you really are and what this offense mm-hmm. really can be. So mm-hmm. Brian Dayball last year coming in as a rookie coach, man, he made that offense look great. I was saying look that great this year. Kevin O'Connell. I know he got uh, um, Kirk uh, cousins hurt, but even the first game of the season, they played Tampa Bay. That they mm-hmm. they had a whole off season of tape to look at you, yeah. and that's why it's so impressive to see guys like Shanahan and McVeigh and all those kind of guys able right. to adapt and, and change. And I think that's what you're saying. So I'll let you do that now that you find found the quote. Yeah, no, no, that's I mean that's it exactly though. It's that adaptability that we've talked about a couple times. It's why I like Mike McDonald. It's why I'm so high on Ben Johnson um, and, and McVeigh. It's actually really funny because one of the things that McVeigh was it doing when they had when they had the down year the year before with Stafford mm-hmm. when he was injured and all that? Is that he wasn't able to really adapt much? He was still running a lot of the same things that he was running, and it wasn't running as well because of the players that were hurt and the players that they were trying to deploy out there. This year coming in, he's made some some serious changes to his scheme, and it's Boy. reinvigorated that that Rams offense again. They're still running a lot of the core principles yeah. that McVeigh believes in philosophically. But they've changed up a lot of the nuances of it. And that's what you have to do because they're going to yeah. get film on you, especially when you're the top dog. And so, so this is the quote talking about Ben Johnson getting the interviews. And, and, and Ben Solik says, it's no surprise that Johnson got those interviews. When someone was a quality control coach in 2009, coordinates one of the league's best offenses three years later, everyone in the NFL will want to figure out who he is and how it happened and whether he can do it again. So that's what I set out to discover, too. From what I can figure, Johnson had exactly what both Goff and the McVay offense needed, an infusion of creativity and a willingness to change. So that's the whole thing for me, right? Mm -hmm. He had the entire offseason for teams to look at what he did and with Jared Goff and say, all right, look, we figured out Jared Goff once before. We could do this again. So they came into this season thinking that they had an answer for Ben Johnson. I'm telling you, man, everything that I have watched of that Lions team – there's not a team that has an answer for Ben Johnson. There are there mm. are coordinators that are really good. I thought that Raheem Morris actually implemented a pretty nice game plan against the Detroit Lions oh, in, thought, in the wild card round. Yeah, I thought he called a hell of a ball game. Phenomenal, yeah. Yeah, I thought he called a hell of a ball game. But then Ben Johnson still had enough in the tank that when a moment came up that they needed something, he still had the ability to dial that up, and it was a difficult thing for Raheem Morris to defend. That's mm. what I want. It's it's football, man. Any given Sunday, right? Everybody is going to have a good day. Everyone's going to have a bad day at times. It's not going to be perfect, man. None of these coaches, none of these coordinators are going to bat a thousand. They're going to have off days. But what I want is I want somebody that can keep us in a game and, and have a efficient offensive game plan for Bryce Young. And then what I want is in those crucial situations, do you got that, like, that built-in winning idea, right? Like, do you have that concept in your mind of 
man, it's been tough all day. Like we have been mm-hmm. grinding it out trying to get these yards. We need four here to win this game, guys. Can we get four? Do you have that play? Do you have that in you? Do you have the confidence in your concepts that you can deploy and say, I know we're going to get it with this? And I think that Ben Johnson does. I think that Bobby Slowick does too, though, man, to be completely fair. Those two are really close to 1A and 1B for me right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Mike McDonald, I'm not off the Mike McDonald train, though. And I think that this weekend, when we see him go up against Bobby Slowick in that Texans offense, I think it's going to remind everybody how damn good Mike McDonald is as a, as a coach as well. Yeah, and um, how good the Ravens are. <laughs> Personnel is really good. The Ravens, are. the Ravens are really good, but you know the Ravens have a lot of the Ravens have a lot of the same personnel on that defensive side of the ball this year that they did last year. Um, yeah. They had some injuries last year, but they had Wink Martindale, who was a really highly regarded defensive coordinator. Oh yeah, and he struggled really badly with that defense where Mike McDonald and not last year. I'm talking about two years ago because McDonald, I think, well, no, McDonald was the guy last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they fired. They fired. Wink they fired season, last right? year, and then this is his first time back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they fired um, Wink mid season last year. Yeah, I think, right. And they got Roshan. They got Roshan Johnson in the middle. Not Roshan Johnson. Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith. <laughs> yeah. uh, middle of the season last year. Uh, they yeah. got you know, Marcus Peters was there. They, they get, the, the thing. The, the big things are Patrick Queen's playing. Like they they did not pick up Patrick Queen's fifth year option because he yeah. wasn't playing at a level. That dude is an all pro. All pro, or I know he's a pro bowler. All, I think he's all pro this year. Um, which is the the jump that Patrick Queen made. Kyle Hamilton looks. Awesome. Kyle Hamilton is the kicker, man, because they didn't know what to do. The, Wink didn't know what to do with Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. He he was out of position. Didn't know what he was doing. I mean, right now, Mike McDonald's got him playing like big nickel. He's got him playing slot. He's got him playing all over the field. Doesn't matter the alignment. And that's what he does. And that's what Ben Johnson does is they identify what they have on their team and they build around it, man. They Mm -hmm. are adaptable. They're flexible and they're innovative. And that is what I want. It is the basic concept of adaptability that I think all three of those coaches absolutely excel in. And, and, And it's super appealing for me. Um, I, I think, so I go back and forth with all these guys all the time. I think next year, if we want to win, like if we go right into next year, the person that can make the biggest jump is Slowick. Mm-hmm. The guy that can build a culture is Johnson. And I think that about Johnson. And if he, if there comes reports that he, if he wants to take like an easier job, like a job that would like a better roster, I don't, I'm not going to fault him for it, but it kind of makes me think, cause I, we're going to offer him the most money. Like, so if he chooses right. something else, it's going to be because of the situation. And that kind of would make me feel a little bit less of him. Cause I feel, I feel like kind of, he's the guy that's like, that doesn't matter. Like I'm going to build something wherever I go. I'm going to get like, I'm going to change the culture wherever I go. We're going to run the ball really well. We're going to get the, get the Dan Campbell type guys. We're going to take, we're, we're going to build something here. Uh, whereas I think that uh, slow, it can come in and manipulate offenses more and and kind of X's and O's is better. Um, But I'm, I'm more concerned about him as a, he just doesn't, he doesn't come to the podium with confidence. He doesn't come. There's just like that kind of it factor that Johnson has kind of like, I'm the shit and I know I'm the shit and you know, we're going to win wherever I go. Whereas uh, slow, it kind of feels like the, you know, um, yeah, maybe the, and I don't know what's going on. And uh, it's just like, having to deal with the media and having to like the, all the head coaching things um, mm-hmm. kind of makes me a little bit more nervous about uh slowing, but, and that's, but these are like, these are little things that are yeah. different. No, no, it's nitpicking when you try to decide yeah. between two that you do genuinely like a lot. 
Um, I agree with the Ben Johnson thing about him having that it factor. I, I've seen a lot of people say that like their question for Johnson is, is he a leader of men? Is he a culture creator? And, and oh, well, I, know, I, I know that it's hot button like terms. I, I understand like that's like the culture versus X and O's type of deal. Yeah. But for me, <clears throat> it comes down to winning. First of all, right. Yeah. If you're winning, man, you're going to have a pretty good culture in there. Now, that doesn't mean that like it winning means that you can't have a bad culture because you can. There are definitely toxic individuals that can still harness a team into winning, but everyone is uncomfortable or unhappy in the in the locker room. That, that, that's a possible scenario. I don't see it with any of these candidates that we're talking about. That's, yeah. not, that's not the reporting that I've ever read. It's not anything that I've heard from fans or or beat reporters that cover these teams. No matter so, in there. And the thing that I'll say about Johnson, man, is in that same um article i was speaking about from the ringer because that it's a great like in-depth profile basically on how ben johnson and jared goff and dan campbell and all these guys came together and and kind of created exactly what they wanted to create and nailed it and are and are like succeeding off of their vision right and it and when it comes to johnson and they're like is, is he gonna be a tough enough guy is he gonna hold i saw the uh, pat mcafee segment today with i think it was ian rapaport that was on there and he was talking about the Panthers are looking for a coach that will hold players accountable and that they didn't emphasize that very much last year. Um, I'm paraphrasing that, but that's essentially what he was saying on there. And people were saying, so that's the question that they have with Ben Johnson. That's the question with Bobby Sloak. Well, look for Ben Johnson, man, Ben Johnson is a very detail oriented guy. Like that is what makes him tick is detail oriented. He's described um, as Clear, clean, and concise is the way that he composes himself and handles himself, his demeanor in-game. That's the way that Engstrand, his uh, passing game coordinator, described him. Says he doesn't get emotionally hijacked. He's just flathead. That's just how he is. He's here. Um, Now, the interesting thing is that Ben was talking about when he was – Ben Solick, not Ben Johnson, was talking about when he watched him uh, during a practice. He said, it's clear that when you watch him, like he's, he's nice and calm and all that kind of stuff. He was like, but then for the one time that he did get really um, emotional about things, he says, in this particular practice, a two-minute drill began to go awry. A design play failed to stop the clock, and the offense didn't get up to the line with Johnson's desired urgency. Johnson takes three steps off the sideline, screaming. What he just saw was not clean, and sloppiness is unacceptable. Johnson folds his arms, shakes his head, even as the offense recovers and scores a few plays later, getting up in Goff's face the second the quarterback makes it to the sideline. So look, he can nurture you. He can get you to where you want to be. He can teach you the things that you're not proficient in, and he can help you get over a hump. But he's not going to baby you about it. And and that, I think, is exactly the kind of coach that I would want for Bryce Young. I don't think that Bryce is looking for him. And for Tepper. And for for everybody. Like, you don't have to be, though, you don't have to be like this ram that's always butting heads with everybody, though, Right. right? Like that's not necessary. You don't have to be, and I don't, I'm not like crapping on Harbaugh when I say this, cause I like Jim Harbaugh. I think that he's a good coach. I think that he obviously wins where he goes, but like part of his stick, it seems like for the, for the people that really want him here is that, Oh, he'll go against Tepper every chance he gets. He's just, no. you know, he's going to go at him. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want that either though. Like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you always have to. And so like, mm. I want a coach that has that really uh, self-awareness and balance to him of knowing when to press that button to get emotional, to get fired up, and to get somebody in, in somebody's face. 
but I don't want that to just be the identity of the team either. Right. You know, just always be angry and, and all of that. I want to win. I want to play confidently. And I think that you play confident by clear, clean, and concise. Like, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Take the sloppiness out. It's what we talked about so much with the Panthers this season, man. Undisciplined football. And right. I think oh, if they play disciplined, I think you see a different football team. I also think that you see a different if, – if anybody can take our current personnel mm-hmm. to their their the heights of what they can be, yeah. it'll be Ben Johnson. I, I still think that – because I think of this is who Ben Johnson is, I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to be scared. As, as me, when we'll get into this, what the best job is. Right. If people are going to the easiest situation, you don't mm-hmm. want them. Like, you just don't. Like, I, I – it, it, because they're not going to last. Like, they're not going to last in any of these situations. Because as soon as they take over that situation, they're probably like, look at you know who um, uh, Ben Johnson reminds me of Shane Steichen. That's who he reminds mm-hmm. me of because it's, yeah. this he's like, well, he wouldn't scared. He's like, yeah, give me this project of Anthony Richardson. I'll take him. Yeah. And and oh, he got hurt. I'll take Gardner Minshew to nine wins. Like he doesn't care. Like he's like, I'm just, like I'm building a culture here. I'm I'm, I'm going to do. He didn't have Jonathan Taylor for four games. He yeah. didn't care. He had Zach Moss. And just like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you give me. I'm going to build something here that anybody can, can succeed in because we're going to get the mm-hmm. right kind of people in and I'm going to coach them up for that. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I always push back on the, why would anybody want to take this job or the Panthers job or blah, blah, blah. It's like, ew. Like, I, like, I, I, I don't know. If you ask me to be a CEO of Apple right now, all I can do is fail. Right. If you ask right. me to be the CEO of Oracle right now, we got a long way we can go up. <laughs> well, and, and when you look at the teams that these guys are coming from too, though, right? And, and this will kind of segue into this last bit about the, the best jobs available and, and, and things like that. Um, you look at the teams that they're coming from, though, right? Like, Ben Johnson didn't take a front-lining job with the Lions, and, and he mm-hmm. wasn't even the offensive coordinator. Like, he stepped up to the plate, and he took a challenge. Now, the obvious thing for the Panthers is Bryce Young. What do these candidates feel about Bryce Young, right? Bobby Slowick is a, is a great example. Um, I believe J.J. Hardy has spoke on this a few times. He's Panthers culture on Twitter. But he spoke on it a few times about Bobby Slowick is probably the most prepared when it comes to study on Bryce Young because the Texans were planning on drafting Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like That was their target. It has been discussed that they were very high on Bryce Young and that they had every intention on drafting him. Huh, so the Panthers moved. Yeah, very strange, right? Yeah, um, I don't know. But so that probably so means that there was a lot of right, right, right. But there's probably it probably means that there was a lot of prerequisite work that was already done mm-hmm. by that scouting department by Bobby Slowick when he's composing this offensive scheme and philosophy that he's doing with Bryce Young in mind. So I, I feel comfortable about that projection there and I feel comfortable that he would uh, value Bryce Young as, as an asset as opposed to a liability on this current Panthers roster. Ben Johnson is similar to what you're saying here about, I don't think that he's shying away from any kind of yeah. adverse situation. And, and sometimes I think that there's too much emphasis on, man, no one wants to play for Tepper. I think that Tepper is definitely a deterrent. I'm not trying to minimize that because I think that he's been erratic. And I think that that, that erratic behavior does bring pause but it's not going to make you sit there and say, if you truly believe in Bryce Young, let's just say that you're a coach mm. that really did believe in Bryce Young pre-draft process last year. I don't think that anything you saw from him this season on the field makes you think that he's a, a failure and that he's not what you thought he could be. I think you saw the limitations within that offense of what the problems were and exactly what he should not be involved in. 
that's great because that's what Ben Johnson built his entire coaching portfolio off of is learning what not to do and then going out and implementing the opposite and doing that in an innovative and high efficiency type of way. Um, as far as some of these other candidates, though, Dave Canales is probably the other guy that I yeah, would feel go, go to the next relatively game. confident in his ability to come in and, and uh, matriculate an offense that works specifically with Bryce Young, right? I think that I can envision that. Although what I will say about Canales is that he's very, not very similar, but he's similar to Frank Smith in a way to me that he's an obvious tier below for me personally. Um, I think I would have Canales above Frank Smith as far as where I would value them in, in head coaching lists. But I yeah, also really still, close. yeah, they're pretty close. Like I, because I think that Frank Smith is more of a people person. I think that Frank would connect with an entire locker room. And would, and would immediately create that culture that everybody wants created, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that Canales can cultivate that culture by winning and, and putting guys in positions of success. I also think that he's just a very good offensive coordinator. That's the way I feel about Todd Munkin, too. Yeah. I think that Todd Munkin's a really good offensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I He's had a little bit of head coaching experience in college, Todd Munkin has, and it didn't go smashingly. Um, he's been on a lot of offensive staffs in, in the NFL and in college. And I think he's a really smart dude, and I think that he's a good coordinator. But I think that may just be his best suited yeah, position. Uh, yeah, his coordinator. Yep. And that's not a, that's not a slight, man. It's the same thing as like when we talk about Azero Evero. There was local reporters that said, "Hey, look, I'm just going to be completely honest here. Evero gave me coordinator vibes every mm. time in the locker room. Every time that he's talking, he gave me coordinator vibes." That doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. It just means he might be a really damn good defensive right. coordinator. It maybe doesn't have the same amount of appeal or success as a head coach, right? Thomas Brown is almost like the opposite. Thomas Brown, when he would talk and he would be addressing players and players obviously thought the world of him, he sounded like a head coach. But yeah. then his on-the-field performances yeah. left you scratching your head. and You're just like, man, I, I want to buy into everything you're selling. But yeah. then the minute that I have to like pull a receipt or I have to look at what you've done, it's less than what I want it to be. And so now I'm like coming up with an argument to overcompensate for the fact that the on-field product was a little bit shoddy. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where, that's where I'm at with like Dave Canales and those guys. Um, Raheem Morris, I'm still very high on. I think that Raheem uh, is yeah. great on both sides of the ball. I think A is a very unique thing, right? Mm -hmm. He's got head coaching experience. He's got a great coaching network to be able to network one hell of a staff, yeah. man. Yep. Yep. I mean, he's highly respected by coaches and players the same. He's we definitely a really keep bright dude. Yeah. He was on that Washington staff. Uh, what was it? The 2013 Washington. The, the Jay Gruden staff. staff that like everybody's yeah. coming yeah. out. Jay yeah. become relevant again. <laughs> yeah, yeah man. Because he's on Twitter arguing with RG3. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, my no, but God. so he's, I think that he's a very viable candidate. And I think that he's, so he's the closest one as far as tier two candidates to getting to tier one. Raheem Morris is my closest right there. Mm. I think he's a fringe tier one guy for me. But the problem is the tier one guys are so obviously tier one. Like, yeah. It, yeah. it, it's hard for me to move anybody up there, but if if I had to put like a and a possible on it, Raheem Morris would be my and a possible because I think that he's I think that he's legit, man, and I, and he's not so much of a consolation prize as he is just a alternative prize, 
right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I want to touch on uh, two things that uh, we talked about, you talked about a little bit earlier. Um, um, ben Johnson kind of gives me Harbaugh vibes, honestly, but like a younger version of Harbaugh. Like thinking about like when uh, he took over that 49ers job, that was a terrible job. You had Alex Smith, who was a bust of a number one pick. And man, it took him to the Super Bowl. Like it just completely changed. Like it was just, it was in a culture change. It was, they, they, they kind of feel very, very similar um, sure. to me as how I feel about Johnson, which that, that'll show you how high I am on, on uh, uh, Ben Johnson. Um, right. And then going back to talk about Tepper, do we really think Tepper is that like, it, it, Tepper is always, ever since he's been here, he committed to Matt Rule because that's what he was supposed to do. Um, and he gave him what five years, four years, five years, yeah. like, like, like <laughs> well, seven year contract gave yeah. three years. Yeah. Three and a half years, three and a half years, basically. Theoretically, it's not like he makes decisions really quickly. Like right. everybody talks about, he's like, what, from one coach to another, to another, you're going to have a safe. Yeah. He dealt with Matt Rule for three and a half years. I think that he can, they'll give you a little bit of time. But yeah. when you come in and don't show, any level of improvement. We talked about this podcast after podcast after podcast and people that are in the national media that are in everybody's ear. Like you just yep. made this decision. Like, did you watch the Panthers? Yeah, right, right. Like, I don't think you did. That the firing, he, the firing of Frank Wright, dude, was not some sort of impatient, impulsive yes, thing, dude. That was correct. a, that was a, I'm going to try to save whatever I can out of this team by getting rid of this. Cause this isn't working and it's not going to work. So like, yes, I'm not going to play stupid and keep it going. Yeah, like when you're seeing right. all these other bad, do you know how bad that Cardinals job was? Right. And <laughs> and the, right. that they look, they have like a level of confidence to them. It's, yeah. it, 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 I am. Yeah, made a mistake. I think you do. No, I think What's you should make a good point, man. That's a that's a super fair point, and I think it's worth saying that I don't think that Tepper is as impulsive and short tempered as people make it out to be. But I think the problem is is that. When that was raised, right, that he was impulsive and and acts erratic and doesn't behave necessarily with the couth of an NFL owner, when that was raised, he then like doubles down with throwing a drink and then the apology kind of sucks. And now there's the kind of talking about possibly keeping Dan Morgan. My issue with Tepper more so than the impulsivity of him is the poor decision making and he's not a PR team is what he needs. Yeah, he definitely needs Bro, a PR team. PR team. He definitely needs a PR team. Like, Go watch some Robert Kraft uh, interviews. Right, like, right. Just right. Just don't say anything. Just don't but, say. but Matt Matt Rule, man, when Matt Rule was hired, a lot of people wanted Matt Rule for their head coach. Like Correct. Matt Rule wasn't some like bum prospect. He, he was he was a highly thought of candidate. It we, was just we, a mistake. It was yeah, we wanted we were afraid the Giants were gonna take him, so we had to that's keep right. the contract before that's right. the Giants. The big problem that I have with Tepper, and I think his biggest failure was not realizing what he had with Steve Wilkes and not understanding the importance of what yeah. is in the locker room. He looked at that from a strictly analytical standpoint instead of a football standpoint, and that just is not a good <laughs> way of being if you're a football owner, you know. Yeah, you know, you know who learned uh, from their mistakes is uh, is the the Raiders. Well, uh, the Raiders, Raiders, the Raiders didn't hire uh, their interim last time uh, yep. for Gruden, uh, wasn't it? The Oscar or whatever name. Yes, who took teams coordinator? Yep. Derek Carr, Derek Carr, the the, the worst quarterback probably of all time. Uh, took him to the, his only his one and only playoff game, and they didn't hire him. So they were like, we gotta. We got uh, a <laughs> yeah. No, they <laughs> we, made they made a good decision, time. man. Yep, they made a good decision this time. 
But honestly, that's Tepper's, that's Tepper's cardinal sin, man, was not being able to identify the difference between football and, and statistics and numbers and, mm. and all of that kind of stuff and, and you know, flashiness. Steve Wilkes, I, I, who knows how it would have turned out in the long run. Mm. But what he did was more than enough to earn that job. You know what I mean? And he had the pulse of the locker room. It is what it is, dude. He's not coming back to Carolina, so I'm not going to harp on Steve Wilkes personally. Yeah. Um, but that's the decision that I think sticks out more as far as a temper shortcoming than it is the firing of Frank Reich. But what we yeah. did touch on very briefly there was the Dan Morgan thing. Yeah. And that still is a really big issue for me, especially when it comes to like our prospect of hiring some of these head coaching candidates, right? Who's yeah. in on the meetings, first of all? Who is in on these meetings, the interviews? We know that Tepper's in there. We've been told that Sportsology is going to be involved in the entire process. So I'm assuming that they have representatives that will be in on the interviews. Um, it's possible that maybe they're just working more with the candidate polling as opposed to being in the actual interviews. But so then who else is in there? Because typically when you have a head coach interview, it's your owner in your front office, right? Mm -hmm. Dan Morgan is the interim general manager. He did not get fired with Scott Fitterer and he got the interim tag. He interviewed for the position. There is a lot of smoke that he has a lot of internal momentum and support for him to be named the general manager or to stay on in some sort of capacity in the front office. Mm -hmm. I just cannot honestly, man, think of one legitimate reason why that makes sense or how it benefits this football team. If yeah. anyone can tell me that I am open to hearing it, but it can't be this excuse of, well, we don't know exactly what he was involved in here in Carolina. I don't care what anybody was involved in here in Carolina for the past three years. That's how long he's been employed. That's how long Federer was here. 14 and 37 is the record of the football team in those three years. You look at the personnel moves. What is the best personnel move that we've made? <laughs> Real quiet. Yeah, no, that silence was the answer. It, it, it's not. And people like to point to stuff and say, well, what about ISM? ISM was a really good find. ISM, I mean, look, I like him for what the roster has. ISM was going to be cut from the Chiefs, and we gave up a conditional pick to get him. I don't know that he's on any other roster. Like, a lot of these guys, you talk about, like, Nick Thurman. I'm not sure he's on another NFL roster, and we're, like, patting ourselves on the back because he gave us, you know, four productive games this year. These are situational players that would be great at the end of your depth chart, and we were starting them. We yeah. were having to integrate them into the games. From a player personnel standpoint, dude, I don't see it. I don't yeah. see anything that we have done in three years that makes me say he deserves not just to stay on, but a promotion. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't so, see it, man. So this is like a huge, huge flaw that – I would say 90% of the companies do this and they're always wrong. They hire a consulting firm. They spend their money because they, they identify a consulting firm. So you think about Deloitte, KPMG, like all these kind of things. And they get somebody, a managing consultant to come in and tell them exactly what's going wrong in their company mm -hmm. because that's what they, like they are, they are billion dollar right. corporations and they know better than you. Right. And, if, and you don't listen to them, and this happens, and I've and I worked at uh, several big companies, it happens all the time, where they'll get these people to come in, tell them what's wrong, and then they ignore them. Yep. So the, when you bring in a, a, consult, a managing consulting firm, 
you do that and you give them all, uh, you give them a hundred percent of the call with that. Right. And if they aren't doing it, they're a bad company and they're running right. poorly. And you got to hope that David Tepper <laughs> being worth as much as he is understands business like a schmuck <laughs> that, that <laughs> that's doing a podcast on uh, right. Carolina right. Panthers understands. Um, right. But it's just so hard to, when you have that much control to give up that control. And that's why 90% of uh, firms don't end up listening to the consulting yep. firms that they hire. Well, so. and not to mention like what advice could you, like, you're tainting whatever advice they're giving you. Correct. If you're saying, Hey, look, I want you to give me your honest opinion, but also it's going to have to involve this guy being around. Like this yeah. is, this is a piece that's going to be here. How would you build around this guy? And the consulting firm may be sitting there saying the same thing that you and I are saying. And they're like, you got to get rid of that immediately. That can't be there. Right. Like that, that guy just cannot be part of it. And Tepper instead is like, well, I, I really like him. Like he's been a really nice guy. Um, he's, he's been really like fun to hang out with. Like he's, he's really into Chardonnays like I am. So like, I would like to keep him around if I can, that's going to ruin the point of that con- consultation firm. Like it's, it's just going well, to ruin it. You know, if I'm, if I'm the consulting firm, because that's my reputation too, I'm the guy that got McVay in the Rams. Yeah. Said, I, like we, we, that's who we are. Who, yep. What have you done by yourself? Yep. So if, if he would go against that and I'm not consulting firm, this is what I told him. This is what they, they, he went and did. That's right. So, what he does does not represent us. And I think, and, and I think do. that they might do that unless there's, you know, an uh, NDA type of situation, right? Uh, I wouldn't um, sign that. I wouldn't do that if I was the consulting. consulting I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. But I wouldn't put no. it past Tepper to try to throw something like that in, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. Tepper doesn't want his business out there because he doesn't want to look any more foolish than he already does. Um, yeah. The last thing that I'll say about the Dan Morgan thing, and this is like a, a argument standing point for me. Thomas Brown got a head coaching interview with the Titans recently, right? And our fan base wants to just blow him out of the water for how bad this offense was and all of those things, right? But other teams still think it's at least worth talking to the guy because of what he's shown, right? To show mm. like his, his, his potential and, and big picture of what they think he could be. They still want to have that conversation with him, right? How many interview requests for open GM jobs has Dan Morgan got this cycle? Wow, yeah, good point. Zero. He got one yeah. last year. Last year, he interviewed for the Pittsburgh Steelers GM opening. So if you're telling me that you're keeping Dan Morgan because he's a young ascending star at the assistant GM position and that he would be coveted elsewhere and that you got to keep him, you're trying to do what the Brandon Bean in the, in the Marty Herney situation was. Mm-hmm. But that was coming off of winning seasons. We were winning. That was off of 2015. Those were different scenarios. This right now with Dan Morgan is not that. And no other team is asking to speak to our rising ascending star that could be available. That mm-hmm. tells me everything that I need to know, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Um, so, all right. So we're at an hour. Do you want to continue on um, and do more GM and talk about the, what um, different uh, teams have the best situations or do you want to leave that for another pod? Do you do a separate pod? Why don't we do it real quick? Why don't we just do a okay. real fast listing of what we think the best situations are for coaches or and let's just let's do coaches first. Let's leave the GMs. Let's do an, let's do another episode where we touch on the GMs. Okay. Because the feeling that I get, and, and you may agree, you might not, 
But the feeling that I get is that the Panthers are prioritizing the head coaching um, hire. Which makes sense. The consulting firm did the same thing with the Rams and McVay. So it makes sense. No, it makes sense. And 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 it's almost a leverage point, right? Is that we can go to our head coach candidates like a Ben Johnson and say, hey, look, man, I know that the commanders are going to throw everything your way. I know that they have the number two overall pick. You can go take your alma mater, uh, Drake May, and you guys can you know, be UNC quarterback buds together and, and do all of that fun stuff. They got a ton of cap space. I mean, that's a, it's an appealing job. I get that. Or you could sit here and you could say, come here to Carolina, your home state. You get Bryce Young, and we're going to give you free reign to decide who you want your GM to be. We want this to be truly aligned. We're not going to force you to work with somebody else that's already hired. You mm-hmm. tell us your vision. Do you like mm-hmm. Mike Disner? Like that's a guy that's from your organization. We've interviewed him. We've talked to him. Do you like him? Do you like the way that he composed your front office and your coaching staff and your personnel on your team? Cause if you do, let's recreate that here in Carolina, man, let's make you a hometown hero, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe. And, and the other thing I can guarantee you, you won't get any kind of baby back ribs, spare ribs, pulled pork, anything on the level up there in Washington, D.C. that you're going to get here. In I can make a personal guarantee if I need to. Tepper, if you're listening to this right now, I will smoke pork butts. I will smoke briskets and ribs every damn weekend if that's what it takes to get Ben Johnson here. <laughs> you know, but seriously, like there, that could be the, the card that we're trying to keep in our back pocket to say, mm. we'll give uh, the head coach candidate the ability to hand select their GM as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's, so let's do the list with the assumption of what we kind of already know. Right. We already know the Raiders here are, are getting peers that might've already completely been um, signed while we're yeah. on this pod. Um, yeah. Patriots got um, uh, Mayo. Mayo. Yep. Um, Chargers, Everything's pointing to Harbaugh. I I would be shocked if Harbaugh isn't um, unless he goes back to Michigan because I know they were working out some contract situations with Michigan right now. Too. Yeah, I think I think it's <laughs> if I'm Michigan. Yeah, I I know that uh, you can see he wants to go to the NFL. Right, like you can see it. Why bring somebody back? He got you your title. I try to bring somebody back that's going to be unhappy or that's going to have mm-hmm. second, that's going to have second thoughts, doubts, anything along those lines. Just move on. Let him, let him go. Let him go. Right. Harbaugh, just go, man. Like, stop. Like, you, we see what you want to do. We see it. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just go do it. Um, I want to, I want to just work on the assumption that. He's going to the Chargers just for time purposes. Um, let's work on the assumption that Belichick's going to the Falcons. That looks pretty, yep. pretty um, like that, that's going to happen. So right now, the openings, um, the things that we're going to have to uh, compete with are Commanders, Seahawks, Titans, and us. Basically, those are probably the four jobs left with under those assumptions that those guys are going to those those places. So. Okay. Let's, in my opinion, how I would rank these, and I'm not going to go into it because I'm going to let you do it first, how I would rank the situations, and this is going to sound kind of Homer-y, yeah. I'd probably say the Seahawks have the best roster going in. Yep, I would agree. Then I would take our situation, then I would take the Commanders, and then I would take... um uh, the Titans. The only reason I'm putting us over the commanders uh, mm-hmm. is because, yeah, you're going to get a rookie quarterback, but you've seen Bryce. Whatever people want to say about Bryce being a buzz, Bryce was fantastic as far as um, his accuracy, his 
uh, command of the huddle. He, he was in a shit situation. You, we have tape on Bryce. We know that. I, I my opinion, that he can be an NFL quarterback. Uh, um, there's no, there's not a question in my mind that Bryce can be an right. NFL quarterback. And we have the defense. Washington ain't got the defense, honestly, right. right now. And they gave their two best defense players away. Their offensive line is a little sketchy. Um, T Mac is getting older. Dotson, you're you're going you're going to come over to, to having to have a conversation about his fifth year option. Um, mm-hmm. Brian Robinson hamstring issues already. Offensive line, I don't know if I just said offensive line already, ain't great. So, in my opinion, we have more checked off as far as boxes on uh, Panthers because we have one side of the ball pretty much that's pretty good, um, and we have a quarterback. So I would say Seahawks us. Um, and I know I just said that I wasn't going to go into why, but I would say Seahawks, us, Commanders, and then um, Titans. What do you? What is your thought? I go Seahawks one. Um, I'll probably go Commanders two. And the Commanders is the Commanders you. is a um, it's it's a twofold situation for me. Yeah, it's the draft capital because they've got the number two pick and they've got first round pick, second round pick, everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have a ton of cap space right now. Um, now, they've got work to do on the roster like you talked about. They do. Um, they also have a proven – the ownership that they have in place right now is a sports franchise owner, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this dude is a sports businessman. That's what he does. He's comfortable with it. They bring in Bob Myers, who is an architect of the Golden State Warriors championship runs. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, he, reminds, he reminds me of uh, the G, uh, what's the guy's name that were interviewing the Saints that just like destroyed their cap situation. And as soon as he was like, um, Oh, yeah, we're getting older, we're probably not gonna need more championships. I'm out, I'm gone. I'm out. <laughs> and it kind of feels like actually, kind of, it feels more Sean Payton than, than that. Like, yeah, Sean yeah, was like, right before the bell, right? Yeah, right before the bell is <laughs> on the table. He's like, I gotta use the restroom, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, so, um, no, for oh, sure. Gosh. Like, that's it's, it's a possibility too. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I think that it's it's it comes across as a very stable and well yeah. thought out. It's weird that we're right saying now. that about the commanders. Yeah, no, totally, man. Like, look how quickly that changed, just a change in ownership. Um, so I would probably put them two. I would put us three and then Titans four in that grouping. And that's not my opinion on who has the best chance of being good the quickest. That's just from a outside objective standpoint of looking at those rosters and looking at what those teams have done recently. Mm-hmm. I would look at it and rank them that way. Um, I think that the commanders are probably our biggest competition for Ben Johnson, just because they seem to have been zeroed in on him since the beginning. And, mm-hmm. and there's no tether that ties Adam Peters and Ben Johnson together. Um, it was, it was literally, uh, articulated by Ben Johnson that he had never met Adam Peters. He's heard great things. So like, they don't have any ties. They don't have anything that keeps them together. There's not a built-in relationship. It's it's the idea that Washington was so hell-bent on getting Adam Peters, who is a highly coveted GM candidate, who has turned down requests to, to interview at other places. They let it be known from the beginning that that was their guy, and they went and they got him quick. So the perception that that gives off is that owner Josh Harris and Bob Myers and in that group are going to be specific about what they want, and they they have a high chance of getting it because of their resources and their history. So that's what would make me think that they're our highest competition for Ben Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think the thing about Ben Johnson is, man, I don't know that he ticks the way that everybody else ticks. I don't yeah, think that I money think- necessarily moves him the same way. I don't think 
yeah, man, maybe working with Drake May or Caleb Williams is very appealing. <clears throat> it all depends on what his opinion is on Bryce Young compared to those yeah. guys. Because there is every possibility that he looks at Bryce Young as just as good as a candidate as those other quarterbacks. Bryce Young is going to be 23 this year. He's not like a he's not one of those 24-year-old rookies that's going to be 25 coming into his second year. He's 23. He's going to mm. be 23 at the start of the season. Just turned 23. And he had the worst rookie season he could have imagined. And it still seems like he has enough to like feel good about. Like I'm still optimistic about a guy that statistically had a pretty poor season, right? And yeah. win-loss had a bad season. And I'm still very optimistic. And that's not just because I'm a Panthers fan. It's because what I saw from Bryce is what I anticipated seeing. I just saw way less of it than I anticipated seeing. Yeah, um, yeah. So let me, We let me just need someone to harness it. Let me jump in on this real fast, uh, because I don't think this is talked about enough with the Panthers. And we talked about this before the pod about how many guys, literally guys I forgot existed. On our, mm -hmm. Like Henry Anderson was going to be a big part of our defensive yep. line this year. Yep. Out, out for the season. Amari Barno out uh, for a uh, few games. Uh, Von Bell out on IR for seven games. We had uh, Brady Christensen miss uh, basically the whole year. Jeremy Chin yep. missed uh, five games. We had... Um, uh, Austin Corbett, uh, the second half of the season, uh, uh, missed. Marquise Haynes started the year at IR. JC yep. Horn was IR on IR for eight games. Justin Houston was on IR for eight games. Hayden Hurst has been out for eight games. Uh, Justin McCray was out for four games. Mingo missed the last game of the season. Gianni Ritchie uh, missed 11 games. LaVisca Chenault missed nine games. Steven Sullivan missed five games. Jack Thompson missed 14 games. Stan, uh, Stanley Thompson, Thomas Oliver missed two. Ian Thomas missed four. Um, Taylor Wooten, who was supposed to take over uh, for, for Shaq Thompson. As soon as Shaq Thompson gets hurt, Taylor Wooten is out for nine games. Uh, Bryce Young missed a game. Taylor Savala got an IR for uh, six games, and he was hurt at the beginning of the season. Like, mm -hmm. we... You had so many guys miss time, and yep. these are just IR people. Like this is, I just yep. literally just looked up people that had been on IR. Like there's right. also a ton of guys that like just miss games throughout the yep. season. Uh, uh, CJ Henderson uh, was banged up. Uh, Frankie Lugu played banged up. Brian Burns missed a game. Um, like we we were just all over the place yep. with injuries. Um, starting the season off, we had a, a Miles Sanders hurt. We had a DJ Chark hurt. Like, it's yeah. insane the injuries that we dealt with this year. Yep. So, we gotta put everything into context, and I'm sure right. positive that when a new coach is coming in, he's taking all of that into account that the, that the average fan is not thinking about. So then, for the other, for the other positions um i think that the titans are our biggest competition as far as bobby slowick and that's because of the relationship with the general manager there in tennessee Rand carthen um he was with the san francisco 49ers for the same period that bobby slowick was 2017 to 2022 um so they have a relationship at least an existing um familiarity with each other if you will i don't know what their working mm -hmm. relationship is but you would think that with Rand carthen coming from that san francisco lineage that he would look at Bobby Slowick and say, yeah, I'd love to have that as the uh, Bethel that gets Will Levis in, into shape. Um, but, you know, for that standpoint, though, if, if we're going to sit here and compare, like, do you want Drake May or do you want Bryce Young? How do you feel about rookie quarterbacks? You're talking about, do you like Will Levis and the Titans weapons over do you like Bryce Young and the Panthers? 
from a weapon standpoint, I don't really think that either of those teams has a whole lot to offer. I think that you can point to Chuba Hubbard here for Carolina and say, well, look, that's a pretty solid running back. At least they've got Tajay Spears. I like Tajay Spears a lot. Derrick Henry, who knows if he's coming back or not, right? Maybe not. Uh, Their their offensive line wasn't terrific. It's okay. They've got the um, guy they drafted out of Northwestern last year, uh, Pete Skaronsky. That's something that you could try to build off of. Um, DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins probably isn't going to stay there, right? Um, yeah, I would, I would assume they moved. They got the kid drafted out of um, Arkansas a couple years back. Burks, um, yeah. Yep, he's just been kind of disappointing, and he's Kyle had a hard Phillips. time staying on the field. Um, so, I mean, really, when you look at those two situations, I again, I don't think that there's like a clear leg up for, for the Tennessee Titans over, over the Carolina Panthers. You could try mm-hmm. to bring it back to the ownership situation again, but I just think that's putting too much emphasis there and not enough emphasis on the football side of things because these coaches are going to get their success based off of what's on the football field. They're not, they're not looking at the owners and saying, which owner is going to give me the most wins. They're looking at the team and saying, which team can I get the most wins out of? Right. Mm-hmm. And I just think that the Panthers, there are two win team last year that probably have a little bit more than that on the roster. Um, so as yeah, far oh, as I, like the Se- yeah. Seahawks, oh man, the Seahawks are the wild card here for me because I, it would make a lot of sense if I'm Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick to say, Hey, yeah, I'd like to go to Seattle. Like, I think I can win right away there, and I think that they've got good ownership. They've got a good track record of bringing in bringing in good players. Um, they've got a lot of young players that are pretty damn good. So, like, from a budget standpoint, they're in a decent situation. Um, the difference is that division that they play in is, is a, it's a hell of one, right? Like, you're talking about going against McVay. You're talking about going against Shanahan, and you're doing that two times every year, four times if you had both of them in together. Arizona is on the uptick. I mean, they're they're gonna be better than what they were with Kyle Kyler Murray healthy. They're gonna be a better team. Billion percent. People aren't talking yep. enough about the Cardinals. You know who's uh you know who traded picks to come back into the first round uh to, to Arizona? Arizona's got some first round picks. Yeah, they've got uh, some capital, man. Right. Texans, uh, right. that they're coming back into. So I think I think they've there. I think that Vrabel makes sense there. Vrabel would also be my guy in in the charge for the Chargers if the Harbaugh thing doesn't happen. If Harbaugh goes back to Michigan, which I think it's essentially Chargers or Michigan is how I would view that situation. Um, if he doesn't go, I think that the Chargers are looking for an established guy. So I think that Mike Vrabel makes a ton of sense over there because he would get that defense playing better, which is what Brandon Staley was supposed to be there to do. I think he could whip that defense into shape, but also I think that he brings enough gusto with him that he can get a offensive coordinator to come in and work with Justin Herbert and kind of like shape that offense into a more concise, clean offense. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's that much more appealing. The Chargers' job, Justin Herbert, is a huge draw, but I don't know outside of Justin Herbert. I don't know that there is anything that you're looking at and saying is head and shoulders above the other jobs. Yeah, and that's why I think that they go for an established person because they need to win right now. They have so, a yeah, window. Yeah, exactly. they have a window that they've got to start rocking with right away. Right. I think that some of these other jobs, you get a little bit more wiggle room, including the Carolina Panthers. I don't, I don't worry about the Panthers being impatient, man, with whatever coach they get. I think if you take a first time coach, like a Bobby Slowick or a Ben Johnson or a Mike McDonald, I, they're not going to be looking over their shoulders of getting fired in week one. That's or, or year mm. one. That's not going to happen, man. Like, mm. and I, I think that's going to be relayed to them very clearly too. That, don't get panicked about some national narrative that I'm impatient and I'm going to fire you if you don't win your first year. I am hiring a coach to coach here for a long time. It's what I wanted with Matt Rule. He sucked at coaching in the NFL. It's what I wanted with Frank Reich. 
He sucks at coaching in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> I am hiring you because I believe that you do not suck at coaching in the NFL. As long as you don't prove me wrong, I will let you continue on with this job. All you have to do is be good at coaching in the NFL. If you're not good at it, I will remove you. That's it, yeah. man. And yeah. I think that that's fair, and I don't have a problem with that. So I think that any of these coaches, I don't think that they should be worried about like the, the quick leash. Yeah, and also, if you... And you're talking divisions, like, and you don't want to go to the Seahawks because of the division. You might not want to go to the NFC East either because uh, they got some pretty good teams over there as well. Right. Where if you go to Carolina, what are you going to go against? Derek Carr? Like, right. Derek Carr? Right. Like, right. that's who your competition I'm just giving you a hard time out there. I know you uh, are. I know. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, I also think I'm I, I more curious than anything of what people think about Mingo. I I yeah. I think if I'm Ben Johnson and I see Jonathan Mingo, I'm kind of licking my chops a little bit. I think that he would be excellent for Mingo. I think so. It's slow. I, I, I what I think is going to happen, and I think that the Seahawks are going to get a, some kind of veteran coach because I think that's it's so hard to go from 80 year old Pete Carroll to 30 yeah. year old. So you think of like Jonathan. a Dan Quinn? You think of like yeah. Dan Quinn or Mike Grable, one of those two, probably. Yeah, I think that that's 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 there for a vet. I think Raheem Morris would be really interesting in Seattle as well. Oh, to yeah. be completely honest, man, I, I, think I think they are they, going defense. It feels like they're going to go defense. And, and you know, they would be really interesting for Raheem though to be able to have that guy that works with Sean McVay so closely. To have him sitting there game planning against them. I mean, I think it's a smart, interesting move, man. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he yeah, can so, coach some people from the staff. You know, I, I, there's a lot of intricacies to that. The way it feels to me is that if there, there is a possibility that Slow goes back to Houston for another season. Um, I think that is probably 10% chance. If we've seen anything about watching Dan Quinn, you don't, you don't want to bet on yourself all the time. Right. Um, right. you, you kind of, or Mike Kafka or uh, Brian Flores or a lot of these mm -hmm. guys, when you get the opportunity, you probably should take it uh, right. because they're not always going to be there. Uh, right. So I think that maybe 10, 20% chance that he goes back to the Texans. It looks like the commanders and uh, Panthers, one's going to get Johnson and one's going to get Slowick. I personally think that the Slowick job fits commanders better and the, the Panthers job fits um, Ben Johnson better based on personnel. Uh, what do I know? I'm just a guy, <laughs> but that's kind of how it no, I like that though. And I, I, I kind of feel similar, um, yeah. to wrap things up here. I, I feel kind of similar about the Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick dynamic of the commanders of Panthers. I, I think that when you look at those jobs, you have a chance to either draft one of two really highly regarded quarterbacks at the number two pick for Washington, or you get to take the consensus number one overall pick last year in Bryce young. And for a lot of rookie coaching jobs, you will end up with a bad team that will have a high draft pick and it will have the possibility of drafting a quarterback. Rookie quarterbacks are total unknowns. Even Drake may even Caleb Williams, total unknowns. So unless you think that somebody in the next year or two coming out of college looks like a better prospect than one of those two or Bryce young, I don't see Slowick wanting to go back to Houston because this is a good opportunity for him to get a quarterback that he believes he can build with, as long as he believes he can build with one of those, right? Mm -hmm. If he thinks he can, I think that he takes one of these head coaching jobs. I don't think he goes back. I just Johnson, think I think, went back because Ben Johnson wanted to finish what he started. I don't think that that's necessarily what is going on in Houston, though, man. Like, I think in Houston, Bobby Slowick is looking at it from like, if I can get a head coach job to coach Drake May or Bryce, Bryce Young, I'm going to do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, those are that's a good opportunity. 
Whereas you may end up getting an opportunity where you have to coach Bo Nix. You know what I mean? And not, not Bo Nix individually. I know a lot of people like him. I just mean like that different tier of a prospect right. to end up being the number one quarterback in, in the next two years where you're like, damn it, man, I, I could have had one of those other quarterbacks. That's my, that's my thing to hitch my wagon to. Yeah, another thing that I think uh, is a draw for Ben Johnson, and, and I'm, I'm wrapping it up too because I know I'm rambling. Um, uh, ben Johnson was under Zach, uh, Zach Taylor, correct? Um, uh, he played underneath him with uh, Miami, right? Um, like he, he was uh, the he was underneath when uh, when Zach Taylor was there as a, a, a OC. Am I, am I right? I am right. I know I'm, I'm right. Um, so Zach Taylor in the eventually goes in uh, under yes. Zach Day. Yes. Sorry. I'm Zach Taylor. All the math yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm right. I, I, I just said right because I'm yeah. an idiot because uh, I don't have any sleep because I. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, then Zach Taylor goes to the Rams under McVay. Ends up going to Bengals for the head coaching job. Mm-hmm. So McVay also uh, Evero is under McVay. So there is kind of a correlation uh, with mm-hmm. Evero and um, Ben Johnson. So if right. you're Ben Johnson. I get to go somewhere where I have some sort of um, a knowledge of everyone. I'm sure they've been in the same rooms. They know each other. Um, So I know my defense is pretty much taken care of because I can probably retain him. He's under contract. If I want him, I know I can just have him. So I already have a working. I I know I can have a working relationship with this guy. And that means that I don't have to go get an entire defensive Mm -hmm. staff. That's going to be very, very, very attractive that for someone that can just come in and, uh, and hit the ground running. Um, mm-hmm. I, and that's all an assumption, but I, I mean, if A equals B and B equals C, then A should equal C. That's uh, just my logic behind that. Right. Um, right. <laughs> um, uh, anything else uh, you want to talk about as far as situations go? No, I, I think that covers most of it. Um, and, and, We'll do another episode, man. Let's see what happens this weekend with the coaching interviews. I know yeah, Ben sure. Johnson was supposed to interview today, so we'll have a little bit of information about that. Some things will start to shake out a little bit, I think, over yeah. the weekend um, in early part of next week. Then maybe we could d- dive a little bit deeper and more specifically into the general you know, manager job um, and, and, and kind of get into that a little bit more. But for today, I, I mean, look, I think that we just wanted to touch on the coaches and, and what each of them brings, how they performed in their uh, coaching situations during the playoffs, and, and what we're looking for this week. So, I mean, I think that we touched on everything, man. Good. Yeah, get ready for uh, Ian Rappaport to come on NFL Network in two weeks. And, like, yeah, it looks like Slowick and Ben Johnson really, really were fighting for this Panthers job, which yeah. I just don't really understand how why there's so much interest in this job. Like, why is there so much interest? But they both really wanted it. I just don't understand. It's just like, shut up. What? It's god awful <laughs> Carolina Panthers franchise. Yeah, right? I, I just I, I hate the, the, the way this national media does this. Me it's too. like 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 why would yep. anybody ever want this thing? But if they, people want it, I just don't get it. So get ready for that. That's going to happen, um, especially when Ben Johnson takes the job. Bryce Young, Bryce Young will remind everybody why people wanted this job. <laughs> Dude, he, he gets on. He's like, uh, uh, he goes on Twitter today, and I'll just be a troll because that's all I do. Like, also, if anybody's still listening this far into the podcast, and I'm, respond- and I'm responding to your Twitter, I'm not trying to be a troll. I'm trying to keep myself up at night <laughs> looking after my kid. Uh, so anything that I say that might sound like me being mean or something, it's not. It's just me trying to stay awake <laughs> and create uh, some sort of entertainment for myself. Uh, but <laughs> Taylor was like, top head coaching candidate, Aaron Glenn. And I was like, who's saying Aaron Glenn is a top head coaching candidate? That Jed Lyons defense has been one of the worst in the league for like, 
five years now, and now there's like up to I think fifteenth uh, in the league. And Glenn's not a top head coach again. I think he has one. Fifteenth is a fifteenth is a nice jump, man. <laughs> I think I think I think uh, I think he has one coaching interview, and I was like. Well, NFL Network hasn't really talked about Aaron Glenn. It's so weird that he's a top head coaching candidate. Uh, yeah, that wording on that's a little bit strange. So, oh god, I hate, I hate the manipulation of the media. Um, yep. Yeah, the media, mainstream media. Uh, yeah. We hate the media. Check yeah. out the podcast. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Uh, well, you know, we're going to take it at one step at a time, and no matter what, we're going to keep pounding. So that I'll end it uh, with this note: uh, Panthers, keep pounding. Keep pounding.